So thanks, Shane, for joining us today. Um, obviously, the topics really today are uh, third-party risk, but really kind of doing a deeper dive in how third-party risk applies to certainly appraisal management and, and the whole solution that you provide to your uh, financial institutions. So, uh, Shane, can you re really kind of open up the discussion regarding third-party risk and, and how you apply that mentality to the appraisal management world? Yeah, good morning, Steve, and thanks for the opportunity to share my views. Um, you know, we, we take compliance very seriously. We rank it as high, if not higher, uh, than service. Really, as an AMC, we really provide two key uh, things, two offerings, is both making a transaction compliant and, and protecting the lender and protecting the appraiser while providing a service and making sure that those service levels are exceed the lender's expectations, but also the appraiser's expectations in the transaction. So that, that's how we view compliance here and how I've, over the last seven years in this business, have, have taken that approach. Okay, great. And then regarding, obviously, you know, financial institutions, not just the, the lenders that you serve, but also the banks and credit unions out there, um, what are the best practices, at, at least from, from your perspective? Again, we talk about AMCs provide that service to a, a lender client, but they're also having to manage fourth parties, which are the, the appraisers themselves. Talk about the best practices of actually kind of vetting an appraiser, onboarding them, things that you're looking for when you actually add, a, add an appraiser in. The big concern for a, for a lender, and certainly pushback from loan officers might be, well, we don't know who we're getting. So how do you kind of, uh, you know, put that fear to rest and, and look for a good quality appraiser? Yeah, so I, I would probably break those into two specific answers. And the first answer is selecting an appraiser based on geocompetency. Uh, the appraiser's individual competency, meaning loan type, form type, down to the zip code level, which is what we do, and we advocate that. Uh, and then, and then by doing those kinds of selection processes, you have to have onboarded the appraiser and the lender correctly. And focusing on onboarding an appraiser, it's really about an honest conversation with the appraiser about their competencies, their likes versus uh, dislikes, and what type of assignments type of appraisers, appraisals they like to do, and then making sure that, of course, your license and your E&Os are up to date, uh, but more importantly, making sure you understand that appraiser's coverage map and your software, your system, should be able to automatically assign the lender's needs to the appraiser's coverage, and by doing that, you've solved 90% of the process, both in compliance but also in service levels. It always begins with selecting the right appraiser, and the lender's problem always comes down to um, the appraiser isn't, doesn't know my area. Uh, and that's where documentation and making sure your interview process on both sides of that is tight in the fact that these are the forms, these are the loan types, this is the zip code coverage of the appraiser, and making sure that order goes appropriately. Great. So, you know, moving on to a, a, almost like another angle is um, Institutions have a lot of choices when it comes to AMCs. Uh, I lost count how many AMCs are in the country. I think it's you know multiple in the in the hundreds, if you will. Um, what would be your advice for maybe a lender looking to add on new new AMCs? What should they be looking for? What kind of due diligence should they be looking for? Yeah, great question, Steve. I, th I think and, and I and I have the opportunity to talk to um, you know dozens and dozens of lenders uh, throughout the month that are always looking to solve a problem, and I think it starts there. Um, select an AMC based on their ability to solve your individual problem as a lender. So be honest and, and define the reasons why you're looking to either add or replace 
a current partner, and then making sure that the devil you know um, is, is, is actually worse than the devil you may not know. And hiring an AMC is a process that should be taken very seriously. It's, it's arduous at times with the oversight. And so pick the right vendor that matches you. And, and in your interview process, make sure those vendors, uh, uh, partners on the AMC side, they're honest, both honest in answering your individual questions about what you're trying to solve for, and then make sure they provide you appropriate documentation that satisfies the problem you're trying to solve for. Um, it's, it's in the uh, underlying issue is always compliance. It's always service levels. Those are always appraisers and, and AMCs are always going to tell you we provide great service and we're always compliant. But that doesn't always fit the need of the, of the lender. So to me, the number one thing you should be looking for as a lender, and one of the things that I provide daily, is honest answers and questions as to what the problem you're trying to solve for so that you don't leap from one problem to the same problem. You've just now invested a whole lot of time and additional oversight. Okay. Shane, tell me about um, you know lender requests. Are they asking more about um, heat maps these days regarding actual coverage levels? So you know, again, the, the main emphasis that you mentioned about is compliance and, and certainly service uh, level agreements. Yeah, I, I, looking in the best practices for selecting an AMC, I really think it, it comes down to matching the lender needs to the AMC solutions. And one of those true serums that can be applied is send me a heat map of your completed orders. There is a difference between asking for a heat map of your appraiser coverage versus your completed order coverage. And I think those uh, need to be asked for independently. We provide those independently. And it, it begins to draw a very easy conclusion. Does this AMC service levels and coverage meet where I'm trying to solve a problem? A lot of AMCs, use the word nationally, uh, meaning that I can solve your problems nationally. And that's not always true. Um, what we try to do is, yes, we have national coverage, but we try to make sure we focus in on the lender's pain and making sure that we can actually increase what they're, what they're needing. Uh, for instance, if their turn times are 10 days in Oregon and they're trying to get less than 10 days, and that's what our turn times are, I think it's important to see that in writing that we actually can improve your turn times and be honest about that, then look at other opportunities to try to solve that problem. And I think that's really the best practices to look for is considering the technology that, that is offered, the heat maps of both coverage and turn times, and then taking a look at your, at your overall fee structure and make sure that your individual fee structures match with the uh, opportunities that are available to you. Great. And I think that's a real key point about the actual orders. That's really kind of proves that the AMC is putting their money where their mouth is. They're able to back up the fact that, yes, they have a neat map. It, it, it covers X, Y, Z. Uh, but at the same time, these are the orders that they're able to deliver on. So that really gives you a, a kind of a better, better flavor of how they're operating. So that's a really good point. Thanks, Shane. Um, you know, again, not everyone might be on board with using an AMC. Can you talk about maybe some of the experience that you've had where lenders are, are trying to use their own internal panel? What kind of regulatory risk do you see coming up from uh, an internal panel? And also kind of like the systems that folks are using today and how, you know, tech and automation are really kind of pushing that envelope. Yeah, great question. I have seen uh, a big shift in the conversation around internal management versus AMC management as lenders become more and more frustrated with the AMC or 
perceived to be the middleman, uh, and the appraiser's frustration with also having to deal with the middleman. We've seen a lot of inquiries in 2017, and I think it's going to continue in 18 with lenders exploring using their own panel or, or contacting and directing their own appraisal experts using software. As you mentioned, there are lots of options around appraisal management internal software that is also called an AMS or, or an appraisal management system. I strongly suggest any lender doing panel management not using a system to begin to do demos and reach out. There are some key things to be thinking about in, in managing a panel versus using an AMC. Number one, where is your pain? It always comes back to what's the problem that you're trying to solve. Number two is are you prepared to take on the expense and the management directly related to an appraisal management software? And then number three, do you actually have appraisers that can be used in that market and are you obtaining those compliantly? I think when I consult with lenders all the time, I always ask those three things. We obviously offer an appraisal management solution as well as a vendor management solution and the AMS. Uh, and we find that a lot of times when they're looking to manage the panel themselves, I always challenge them to make sure that they're solving the problem that they need, not just creating another one. I do believe there is the market needs a balance between lenders managing their own panel and using AMCs, and that balance relies on outsourcing versus insourcing, and those questions sure. are always hard to answer individually. So regarding those three questions, if, if the person that you're speaking to says, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have this, uh, obviously the, the angle would be obviously an, an AMC may make sense. What actual you know, strategic, uh, strategic advantages would you say that the AMC then offers? I think number one, the, the, the AMC offers expertise, right? Henry Ford uh, standardized the workflow when it, when it comes to making a widget over and over and over. And there's a lot of benefit to having one person focused on making the same widget over and over and over. You get expertise, you get ease, you also get experience, right? And I think that's, that's number one strategic advantage is if you outsource your appraisal process to an AMC, you're going to get an expert that does it over and over and over. And I think that's a very important uh, distinction. The, the, the downside about that is doing it over and over and over, it doesn't allow for a lot of customization in the process. And so that's one of the strategic questions that you have to ask yourself. Can I get the same product over and over and over in the same format? Then it fits the AUC model. If I need customization or I have some specialized need internally, then you may want to look at, at, at managing the process yourself for more of a customized approach. Technology should drive both of those decisions, and you're interviewing, you should be understanding completely how can the AMC technology enable the processes that you're trying to gain. Great. And, and just to kind of move on from that as well, is if you think about the, the fact that outsourcing gives an advantage in, in, in that one sense, maybe, maybe cost, maybe efficiency, also provides a level of independence, I find, that you're, the, the AMC isn't under any pressure to perform other than deliver an accurate report in a certain SLA. Certainly the, the value question then is, is taken off the table, correct? That is exactly correct, Steve. That's, a, that's a, an excellent point. Um, compliance has to be the fourth forefront but also solving a need and answering the right questions with the right solutions. And I find that lenders um, are not doing a great job of reaching out to the prospective uh, partners in the space, accepting 
uh, a certain amount of sales calls throughout a month or throughout a quarter to make sure they're abreast of the changing technologies and the things that they can be taking advantage of. To me, that's, uh, uh, that's, a, that's a tidbit that I see the more uh, proactive uh, lenders using is, is listening to the vendors. The vendors have that individual expertise and can provide hundreds of, a, hundreds of lenders' best practices consolidated out into an hour-long conversation that may yield great insight into changes that they could make and selecting an AMC versus a panel and knowing what's available to them. Sure, okay. Um, you know, one of the other thoughts I had about this topic was really, um, you know, there's many AMCs and many financial institutions, and again, the you know, the OCC and CFPB guidance regarding third-party risk oversight, um, pretty clear what, what lenders need to do. Um, but what are you seeing from, from your own clients? Are you seeing a disparity between kind of the different types of requests when it comes to annual due diligence? Yeah, we do see uh, a big difference in what banks, credit unions, and mortgage bankers uh, perceived to be the oversight requirements are, even though they, to us, in the market every day, seem to be pretty clear. One of the things that we do here is we have an OCC-compliant standardized due diligence package. We know from all of our multiple, multiple RFIs, RFI, RFPs, and due diligence requests, we have a standardized package. And in that package, we try to provide everything that we know the lender should be asking for, even if they do not ask for it. And that's where the vendor managers really should be paying close attention to the documentation uh, provided versus asked for and making sure that they're getting what they're expecting. So just making sure that, you know, you're, you're a, as well as educated as the third-party risk manager who's reaching out, so you really know how to help them and giving them the, the correct documentation. Yeah, that's exactly right. Trying to trying to add value and protect where we can, uh, and it also is a, a a key differentiator in your providers. Right? Are you dealing with somebody who is an expert in the field, and so therefore they can help you avoid the pitfalls that you may not have asked for, or are they simply going to skate by by giving you what you asked for and then saying, "Gosh, they're not smart enough to ask for this additional item, so I'm not going to send it." And I think that's that's where the difference between a vendor and a partner shows up. Makes, makes, yeah, if you didn't ask, we won't give it to you, but essentially you're really helping your client there. And, uh, you know, the whole vendor partnership question is a whole other debate, I'm sure. Um, let's wrap up, and I want to talk real quick about Dodd-Frank. Obviously, Dodd-Frank really kind of changed the, you know, financial regulatory, uh, you know, landscape, if you will. With that being said, under new administration, we're looking like, you know, some of those regulations might be rolled back, even Dodd-Frank to some extent. Um, you know, for the industry, for the appraisal industry, I think we've really wrestled with customary reasonable fees. Um, what are you seeing, you know, years on with how lenders are approaching customary reasonable fees? You know, that's always a – fees are always a, a tricky topic um, because there are three people that need to be considered in that debate. There's the lender and how much the consumer ends up bearing. There's the AMC in the middle and how much does it take to make a profitable business because all partners and vendors must have a profitable business or they're, or they're not an ongoing concern, which, which could make the lender service suffer. And then ultimately the appraisers, right? How are the appraisers being compensated fairly so that they're not, their livelihoods are not being challenged by somebody trying to depress fees? And I think, you know, almost a decade now, 
after the implementation of that and the HVCC part that, that really tackled this, we're still debating what is reasonable and customary. Is it in a market where the AMC owns the market and so they're the ones setting the fees and the appraisers just have to take the fee? Or is it the Washingtons and Oregons of the world where the appraiser shortage is causing the appraiser to be able to drive uh, potential unreasonable fees onto the consumer? And so I think we have more to talk about this, but ultimately when we're making the decision and we're looking at reasonable and customary, to us it always starts with the appraiser. What is a fair price for the appraiser to complete the form type, the loan type, in the time frame asked to be completed? And then we add a, our reasonable AMC fee, which we disclose, and then ultimately the lender then gets a fair fee to pass on to the consumer. And to me, that's the winning strategy is that you ha the appraiser has to make a good living, the AMC has to make a profit to stay an ongoing uh, entity, and ultimately the, the lender needs a fee that they can pass on to the borrower that is both fair and expected. Great. I think it's actually an important point that you mentioned, the fact of, you know, Oregon and, and Colorado. Certainly saw a couple of years back, um, you know, 28 days plus for a, a regular 1004. Um, and obviously, and the fee was, was way more than a lot of other states. I think the key there you've just highlighted is that this really kind of boils down to, you know, geographic um, market tables, if you will. And I think the danger there is that we see some folks trying to, you know, implement a national fee that clearly would not make sense across every different state, just for the fact of the cost of living, if you will. Does that, does that make sense? Is that accurate? It does. It absolutely makes sense. We, we define uh, our fees as an ongoing concern, not just by state, but down to the MSA because there are certain appraisals that appraisers that have a higher cost to produce outside of Illinois, for instance, than they, than they are to produce one in Chicago. And you have to be sensitive to those so that those appraisers can be fairly compensated for the cost. When you talk about the Washingtons and the Colorados and where demand, I'm a free market person, so I believe that there ought to be free market uh, fluctuations, and as an AMC, it's it's our jobs to make sure that we're constantly communicating between the appraiser and the lender and the trends in the market, and so that lenders can be moving ahead and anticipating some of these market transitions, so they can be changing their loan estimates and and handling the expectations on the front of the loan. Great. Shane, thanks so much. This is an interesting topic close to my heart, and obviously we could probably talk about this for many hours to come, which we won't do for, for people uh, tuning in today. But thanks again for your time and, and certainly your insight. We appreciate you. You're welcome, and thanks for including me. If I can do anything else, please reach out. Thank you, Shane.